0: what she said on 105.9 The Region, I'm your host, Candace Sampson. According to the Old Farmer's Almanac, Canada is in store for icebox conditions this coming winter, which is all the more reason to enjoy these last few weeks of summer weather before it's gone. As you're preparing for back to school in routine as well, though, this weekend, I've pulled together a show that focuses primarily on our kids, but with some great things for you too. Here's what's coming up. Kids are heading back to class, and along with the world of forms and homework coming home with them in September, you can be certain a virus or two will accompany them as well at some point. Aside from COVID, we still have the common cold and flu bugs to contend with, so as part of what she said's ongoing partnership with New Roots Herbal, Angela Wallace is joining me to share which supplements you may want to consider adding into your daily routine. Pandemic stress has caused a surge in eating disorders, particularly amongst adolescents and young women. Leanne Philipson is a registered nutritionist, best-selling author, podcast, and radio host of Eat This with Leanne, and she is also the mother of a teen who was diagnosed with an eating disorder this year. Leanne joins me with some advice for parents going through this with their own children. Anne Brody is here with New Entertainment, and this week the buzz is all about the $1 billion, yes, you heard that correctly, $1 billion Lord of the Rings series on Amazon Prime. Anne says that every dollar is on full display in this incredible production you don't want to miss. Plus, we talk about Love in the Villa on Netflix and After the Verdict on Paramount Canada. Allie Payne, what she said's own teen whisperer, is here with some sound advice and strategies for ensuring back-to-school success with your teens this year. Allie strives to always see both sides so that she can help teens and parents have a happier and healthier relationship. You'll definitely want to stick around and listen to this one. I keep things in the family this week by asking my first cousin, Tanya Jessam, to join us for Bladder Cancer Awareness Month. Tanya was diagnosed with bladder cancer when she was 38 and has endured 46 chemotherapy treatments since then. Tanya shares what you need to watch for when it comes to the fifth most common cancer. Finally, Toronto-based songwriter Melissa Lauren stops by to share her latest song, My Voice, and what inspired her to write it. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. With
1: me with good times. Tell me that the world's been spinning since the beginning And everything will be alright Cover me in sunshine The shoes on my feet I bought The clothes I'm wearing I
0: When it comes to ensuring kids are getting enough of the vitamins and minerals they need, parents are rightfully overwhelmed. There's a lot of information to wade through. As part of New Roots Herbal's ongoing partnership with what she said, we're going to look at which ones you really want to ensure your child is getting so you can breathe a little easier. Angela Wallace is a registered dietitian, Pilates instructor, and mom of two who specializes in family nutrition and health. She helps families eat healthy to feel their best. She joins me now to discuss kids and supplements. Welcome
2: to the show, Angela. Thank you for having me. So you say your first area of defense is food, what they're getting, right?
3: Yes, for sure. So I definitely come from the perspective or advocate for foods first. So let's try to maximize the vitamins, minerals, nutrients they get from the diet. And then supplements are there to supplement.
0: Yeah, I think it's true. You know, you say supplements, the word it says everything in the word. But I think yeah. sometimes in the society, we tend to treat them like they're the first line of defense. And they're really not. They're, me- they're meant to be taken uh, when you're not getting it enough in another way. So sometimes kids, though, as we all know, are picky eaters. So let's prioritize sort of what supplements we should be looking at if they're not getting it through diet.
3: Okay. So one of the common questions I get from a lot of parents is about multivitamins, especially as you said, when there's a bit of a picky or a fussy eater, or maybe they don't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. So a multivitamin, in my opinion, it really depends on the individual child. Are they eating a variety of different foods? Are they eating carbs and protein and fruits and veggies regularly? And when I say that, we'd be looking at Week to week, like over the week, is your child eating a variety? Not so much day to day because it's very normal for variation to happen day to day with children, especially one day they love broccoli, the other day they think it's disgusting, right? So it's, it really depends. So, multivitamin or getting, you know, a little bit extra uh, nutrients from something like that would be beneficial if you have a picky or fussy eater where they're really limiting their intake in the case where your child might have several allergies or food intolerances where again they're limiting intake because of that um, if there are growth concerns you know from a healthcare provider then we might consider supplementing Um, or if, you know, they actually are deficient in something. For example, I work with a lot of children who have iron deficiency or a form of anemia. In that case, we would want some type of supplement, of course. I mean, and we can't forget, obviously,
0: I mean, yes, we're living in a COVID world, but there's a whole bunch of other viruses out there and every mother knows it's only a matter of days before somebody comes back with a runny nose. Are there things we can be doing to supplement to help with their, their natural defenses against cold and flu?
3: Yeah, with cold and flu season coming up, it's like my nightmare because I feel like It's part of, for a young child anyway, and I have young children right now, it's part of the natural progression, like their immune system is developing, right? Um, But there is really good research for two supplements in particular for children, so vitamin C and probiotics. So vitamin C, it shows that if you take a small dose, which might be... Any around for like a child, 200 milligrams, or it might be the amount that's in a multivitamin, for example, it actually helps prevent colds by about 14% in children um, and 8% in adults. So it's not like a huge percentage, but it's something. And then when you actually have a cold so those first symptoms that start if you supplement with vitamin c it actually helps to reduce the duration of the cold so it might shorten how long your little one is sick which is helpful and this applies to adults as well so supplementing with vitamin c while you're sick might be helpful um and then probiotics which are essentially good bacteria really help with our immune system because they help flourish or feed our our bacteria within our gut. And 70% of our immune system actually resides within our gut. So when we're unhealthy or the digestive system is unhealthy, then our immune system might be impacted. So taking a probiotic in children specifically has been shown to reduce... The severity of respiratory tract infections, so like those common viral throat, nose, ear type of things, and also the duration of them, similar to vitamin C, where you might not get as many or it might not last as long when taking a probiotic. Um, And the other thing I wanted to add about probiotics is if your little one's getting sick a lot and they're on antibiotics antibiotics kill the viruses, but they also kill the good bacteria in the gut. So it's especially important to take a probiotic after a round of antibiotics.
0: And I think it's just worth noting because we all tend to do it. We think more is more. Uh, And when it comes to supplements, follow the directions, right? Yeah. Want to do it on anything. So follow uh, what it says on the bottle.
3: Or work with a healthcare practitioner and, and yeah. get some personalized or individualized advice. Yeah, we don't want to overdo it because that could actually be quite harmful for, for yourself or your child if you overdose. Yeah.
0: So the other one that I always struggled with was my kids. And, and, you know, we talked about this prior was omega-3s. I always struggled making sure my kids got enough of that. And why is it so important for kids to be getting the right amount?
3: Yeah, so omega-3 fatty acids are found in a lot of different healthy fats. So thinking things like fatty fish, salmon, sardines, mackerel, some of the things kids don't commonly enjoy eating. Um, Plant-based sources include flaxseed, hemp seeds, chia seeds, things like that. But again, they're not the most common ingredients in a little one's diet, Why they're so important is they really help with overall brain functioning and cognition. It's super important in the early years, especially, but also in teenagers as there's a lot of mental growth happening or brain growth happening throughout childhood and adolescence. The problem in our current society is we don't actually consume enough of omega-3 fatty acids both adults and children. The research shows that. There's also some interesting research on ADHD and the fact that, you know, higher levels of omega-3s or adequate levels actually help improve some of the the symptoms. So there's tons of interesting research out there, but it's super important for essentially growth and development and, and brain functioning.
0: And I, I mean, I remember as a child, the omega-3 was that, it was like a fish oil thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we've come a long way uh, in taking these supplements now. Uh, so as we're preparing, you know, I'm, I'm interested, what's your routine with your kids mm. uh, with supplements? Is it, you know, do you do it in the morning and evening? I mean, how do you ins- work this into a busy schedule?
3: My little guy, so I have a baby, so she's just on vitamin D right now. And vitamin D is important for everyone, <laughs> uh, especially in Canada. But um, usually morning and night is what I do. And sometimes it's, it's a little bit of trial and error as to like what supplements they will take. I have found the liquid omega-3s work best for 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 my household, because I'll just mix it into some milk or water and he seems to be fine by it. Um, Or I'll put it in like a pasta sauce or something. So that's the way I'll add that in. And then he has chewy ones for a probiotic and vitamin C. And that's what we do. So we usually do the vitamin C and the probiotic in the morning and then the fish oil at night. And those are the main ones that I do. Uh, I want people to be able to find you, connect with you. You're always sharing great information. So where can they do that? So, you can connect with me through email if you head to my website, eatrightfeelright.ca, or on Instagram at nutrition.for.families. Okay. And for
0: all of the supplements we talked about today, uh, you can find them at health food stores, or you can go to newrootsherbal.com to read a little bit more about them. Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Candace. Hey.
4: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
0: Pandemic stress has caused a surge in eating disorders, particularly amongst adolescents and teens. Parents, understandably, are scrambling to find ways to help. Leanne Philipson is a registered nutritionist, best-selling author, podcast, and radio host of Eat This with Leanne, a well-known speaker and mom of two gorgeous teenage girls. Her daughter, Hadley, has also struggled with an eating disorder, and Leanne has witnessed this. Thankfully, Leanne and her daughter are sharing their story to help others and she joins me today to discuss. Welcome to the show, Leanne.
5: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I imagine, and this is why I think it's so important that you share your story, I imagine as a nutritionist to somebody who has been around food your entire life, this Mm -hmm. must have thrown you for quite a loop.
5: It's really interesting actually because... A lot of people would think, "Oh, yeah, you know, she's a nutritionist. She focuses on food, and then her daughter ends up with an with an eating disorder." I think the power in what I do, what that offered me, was recognizing that this is the direction that my daughter was going in. It was no surprise. I saw it coming. Um, apart from an eating disorder, my daughter's had some depression, some anxiety, like you know, full on pandemic mental health challenges. And this was one aspect of her struggle. And as I witnessed and watched her starting to avoid food, starting to eat a little bit less, just how her manner manner was and how she kind of brought herself to the table even, um, it really allowed me to get on this quick. And I recall in January of 2021 saying to her after watching her eating go down and and knowing that she was losing weight, I pretty much mapped out the whole situation for her, knowing that this is the physical implication on your body. This is what's going to happen. You know, your heart rate's going to go down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the pediatrician and everything unfolded in that way. So I had, from my experience, the knowledge in which to actually take a step back and know that she needed help from professionals, from the doctors, from the people that needed to step in and, and help to take care of her body.
0: It's so important, though, that you are sharing this story, because I think a lot of parents, you know, may not be as equipped to help or mm. to recognize what's going on. And also, as parents, we tend to internalize this and and, and carry this guilt uh, oh, that we so may heavy. have done something wrong, right?
5: Yeah, yes. And I think a lot of people would say, well, you know, and I know, (laughs) I've said to them, you know, it sucks to have a mom as a nutritionist, because I'm the one who's going to keep telling you to eat the healthy stuff. And of course, I thought, you know, have I put too much pressure? Have I made sure that she focuses on the healthy things, which means, you know, just all the guilt things, all the guilt that we just go through and put on ourselves. But I absolutely had to separate myself from that. This experience was not about me. Well, first of all, I think it happened for me to be able to wake up and see the things that were going on external to this. But also this was her experience. And as soon as I was able to take myself back, take that step back, and then that just allowed her to to witness and to see what was going on, she actually wrote a really powerful blog that I've posted on sproutwrite.com. And so interesting when we went to the hospital after her pediatrician called and said her heart rate, like go pick her up and take her to Sick Kids right now, which is exactly what I did. And the first realization for her, as she reports on what she wrote, was when we were in the hospital and the doctor said, "We are going to admit you for an eating disorder." it knocked her sideways. She did not see it. She did not understand that that that, that is where she was at. So it was a huge realization for her. And at that point, I needed to give her space for her just to process it herself. And as parents, when we are worried, when we are the ones saying, you need to do this because I'm going to feel better, it doesn't allow them to kind of figure out what this is all about. So there's some power in a bit of separation and advocating for them and finding the right people to help them because it truthfully may not be us.
0: And just as important as it is for you to get help for your children through something like this, it's important to get help for yourself. And you have an organization that you recommend. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we close out this interview?
5: Yes, yeah, sashbear.org was a lifesaver. It was a, a three-month program. It's a charity-based program. Anybody can sign up for it, and it's all about DBT or dialectic behavioral therapy. There's also some other issues with self-harm with Hadley, but really the process is is invalidation is in radical acceptance. All the key things that Hadley was also learning in another program. I was learning at the same time, so then we could come together and I could support her in the best way that I knew how from everything that I had also learned
0: incredible I I love that you came with this advice because I think oftentimes we focus so much on helping the other person that we're not helping ourselves and then in turn Mm -hmm. that just creates this cycle where you can't help (laughs) exactly thank you for sharing that Um, you're obviously sharing about this and you continue uh, sharing great nutritional advice on sprout right so where can people connect with you Leanne and keep up with your story
5: Yep, sproutright.com is probably the best place to go. I do talk about it on my podcast, Eat This With Leanne, as well. And you'll find more about that on LeannePhilipson.com.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Leanne. This was great.
5: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I am so excited for today's Saturday Night at the Movies with Anne Brody. We're going to jump right in because I really want to talk about The Lord of the Rings on Prime. Oh,
6: my God. That is the most expensive TV show ever made. One billion dollars. Stop! And every penny is up there. It is astounding. One place that they show the Valley of the Dwarves. Plus, this is set a thousand years before the events that we know. The Valley of the Dwarves was so beautiful, it made me cry. It was just, it's just phenomenal looking. I just get shivers thinking about the appearance of this series. Um, so anyway, it focuses on Galadriel, who is Morphid Clark, who is leading the army of Middle Earth. So, you know, they've got all kinds of things to go through, missions. And it is so good because it's, it's female-centric. It is stunning to the eye. It is the music by Bear McCreary. Oh, my God. It made me think of the dirges at Diana's funeral. Just unreal. Again, I'm getting shivers. Just a stunning
0: series. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power on Prime. No. I cannot wait, Anne. I seriously cannot wait. Just seeing the trailer gave me chills. So this is one I know I'm gonna I'm going to sink my teeth into. Um, tell me about Love in the Villa because I was only drawn to this one. I mean, it totally seems formulaic to me, but I was absolutely drawn to it because of the setting, which is Verona. And I've seen most of these things, which is, is so beautiful. So what, what's the show like?
6: All right. So this girl, uh, has planned her, her wedding, her honeymoon trip to Verona to go to Romeo and Juliet with her husband, new husband. But he dumps her just as, about she, just as she's about to leave. It's been her lifelong dream to go. So she pushes on and she travels a long, long day, goes to her hotel, hotel room. It's already been rented to this gorgeous, incredibly rude English guy. He allows her to sleep there one night. They, they enter a war. They seriously go to war. And this is something unusual for the rom-com. The woman is as bad as the guy. So we just follow them through the, this little war. And, and yeah, it's formulaic, um, and you know how it's going to turn out. But really, it's gorgeous to look at, these shots in Verona. You just want to go there and just eat gelato all day.
0: I can tell you, eating gelato in Verona, there is nothing better. So this is the next <laughs> best thing, I'm sure. Okay, let's talk about burn barns. Oh, this is my, this is my
6: uh, great one this week. Simone Signoret, do you know her? Friends. No, I don't. She's been uh, gone a long while. One of the most powerful actresses I think that ever existed. Her face is expressive beyond compare. There's no one ever been like her. She stars in Burned Barns, released in 73, and she's a farmer. They, they live on a cattle farm in rural France. And a woman is found dead on the road. It's middle of winter, snow everywhere. There's no heating in, in the house. You can see the actor's breath the whole time. So it, it becomes a real mystery in a character study. Was it her son who suddenly has a fortune and the woman had been robbed? Uh, was it her husband? Uh, the entire village turns out and the, the police come in from Paris and it's Alain Delon, one of the handsomest guys ever to come out of France. Um, he's still alive. You should look him up. <laughs> anyway, it's really cool. And because it was shot on film, it's so beautiful and rich. The color is so vivid. Oh, it just, it's lovely. I would try and see it. It is on um, Blu-ray on the Kino Lorber Classics of French Cinema Series. All right. Uh, what else do you have for us then this week? Oh, a very cool little thing from Australia called After the Trial or After the Verdict on Paramount Canada. And it's about uh, this jury is deadlocked. They've been in a murder trial for uh, six weeks. There's one hold at a four woman and <clears throat> eventually they convince her. This is in the first 15 minutes. They convince her to vote with them. She does against her better judgment. Um, and, and, but they start to investigate all the jury members get together and they're in a restaurant one night celebrating the end of the trial and who should walk in, but the accused, this stunning statuesque blonde, they call her over, they develop sort of a bit of a friendship, which is so wrong. Um, and the, the four woman happens to mention that she's in a really bitter divorce and she wishes her ex's art studio would burn to the ground. Well, that night it burns to the ground. So they obviously think it's the the murder suspect. And it goes on like this. And people, you know, express their wishes and things happen. It's really cute. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: (laughs) Actually, listen, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Anything else you'd like to really highlight uh, before we send people over to what she said, talk to get the rest of them? Yes, Ivan Reitman's son,
6: Jason, also a filmmaker, is coming to a tip. He's going to be doing a live reading of a surprise movie script with surprise major guests. This is a continuation of a series he's been doing for a long time in LA and tickets are going to be available very soon. So check that
0: out. All right. Amazing. And thank you. I am so excited about Lord of the Rings. I can't wait to talk to you about it after I've seen it. Uh, we'll have you back next week. Thanks, Ian. See you then. think you struggle with your teen, just remember that your teen struggles with you. Allie Payne strives to always see both sides so that she can help teens and parents have a happier and healthier relationship. She joins me today to discuss how to ensure back-to-school success. Welcome back to the show, Allie. Thank you so much, Candice. I'm glad to be here. I can almost feel the nervous jitters happening right now. Uh, As the show is airing, uh, school is imminent. So let's get into it.
2: Yes. The cries from parents, the moans from teenagers, it is worldwide right now. So uh, I think that we need to better address what back to school can feel like. Because right now, I think for parents, it's like shoulders into ears, nails down a chalkboard. And That doesn't help you as a parent, if you're listening, and it also doesn't help your teenager who also might be struggling. So I'm going to give you some tips today with practical tools that I, uh, this is actually one of the most popular articles that I've written. So I'm really excited to share these and I hope that they um, do help to lower some stress in your home. The first one is, I want to point out that teenagers are more overwhelmed, anxious, uh, and dealing with depression, situational or pathologized um, more than ever. So we need to remember that even though you do not see mental health, that their mental health may be in the way of them doing school in a way that they want to and doing school in a way that you would like them to so let's not pretend that just because we can't see it it's like a broken arm just because you can't see my broken bones doesn't mean my arm isn't broken and you wouldn't maybe ask me to like play baseball or carry heavy boxes if your teenager is already under that weight of mental health we need to be cognizant of that and not pretend or ignore um based on that i would say be their ally not their enemy and here's what i mean by that i don't think you intend to be their enemy. However, if you come at school from a position of you're not doing the way that I want this to, why aren't you prioritizing? This is necessary. And if you don't do this, then you're going to fail. And if you don't hand in your assignments, which is so simple, so I do not understand why you're not doing it, then you're not going to get the good grades. You're not going to get into the good schools. You obviously will get the good jobs. And then you're going to be homeless and living under a bridge. I think,
0: honestly, I'm laughing a little bit because I can hear those words coming out of almost every parent's mouth at some point. And it's hard. You really have to catch yourself because as a parent, I feel that. It's a concern. You want the best. And so you feel like they're not seeing it, Mm -hmm. but they are.
2: Right. But they have an inside view of all the other coagmire of things that are going on in their brain that are real and true for them that you and I as parents cannot see. So, what gets in our way, and this is again where mental health is important. By the way, that whole homeless living under a bridge thing, uh, your teenager already thinks that because the social construct of your value as a human being being defined by how well you do at school is so pervasive that kids who are already struggling have reached the apathetic point where they throw their hands up in the air and go, well, why bother? I'm already a failure, so meh. So, can we just please be really cautious? I understand what gets in the way is that you love your child as if it was ever a bad thing, and that you of all people see your teenager's potential more than anyone else. And so, when Your teenager doesn't behave from the incredible potential that you know is true for them. That is very hard for you to be with. And our first reaction is to micromanage and control. And it's actually counterintuitive to helping your teen become their best and fulfill what you are are actually hoping for them. So be your teenager's ally. Now, here's what I specifically mean by that. I want you to get curious over being critical. If they're not doing it the way that you want them to, whether it's handing in assignments or showing up for school or, or going to school on time because they can't get out of bed, whatever it is, I want you to be curious first. I want you to say to them, help me to understand. This is what I notice. And I'm just really curious about what's going on for you because you don't know. Their teenagerhood is not your teenagerhood, and they are not you. So be curious first. Use those exact scripts to find out. By being their ally, depending on what your teenager tells you, and sometimes they're not ready to tell you, and sometimes they can't articulate what to tell you, at least ask. You can say to them, look, if you want me to talk to your teen teacher, I absolutely will. I will advocate for you. If the this classroom you're just finding it too chaotic and um you know you're not getting your work done I will ask if you can get your work done in a different classroom. If you need me to talk to the principal and we can sit down and find ways to make this work for you, I will do that. I won't do any of it unless you are you would like me to. But I want you to know that I understand that these things are struggles for you. And I am here to be your ally. I think you just said something that's very key
0: here is if they say to you they don't want you to do this, you want to swoop in and save them. And I understand that if they don't want you to, they don't want you to. I think we should talk about time management a little bit though, because I if we could, because I think a lot of kids, a lot of parents
2: are off schedule. And also we've been in the pandemic for two years. So you cannot ignore science. Your teenager does not have. The prefrontal cortex or frontal lobes fully developed such that they understand and can manage their time in a way that you want them to. Now, let me go a little step further on this because what you might have just heard is, well, Ali, that's exactly why I need to do it for them. No, 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 that is not what I said. What I'm saying is hammering your teen for and labeling them as lazy, irresponsible. Um, obviously careless and they won't be accountable. All of those very derogatory terms are wildly unhelpful to their already low self esteem when their brain is learning in, um, impulse control, um, critical analysis, decision making, and prioritization. Because they don't have external cues like we used to, doesn't mean they're inherently lazy or bad. It means they don't have external cues. So time management means working with a brain that is still developing in a world that has now got bottomless feeds. So how do you create an external cue? And what I mean by that specifically, here's what we did in our house. We use stove timers or microwave timers. We would set them. Now we, mm -mm, I would never, Uh, you don't turn it off for them and you don't set it for them. It, but we, you need to frame this in a way that sounds like you're not stupid you're not bad. You are a product of what my generation has created. And and it's hard. That's why phone alarms don't work. If you're already on your phone, you go meh and you turn it off. <laughs> so That's a first step of time management is you've got to understand they need external cues that trigger the brain to change behavior. So specifically things that make them get up and go do something helps them to change gears and create better time management. There's a couple more tools I want to tell you about that. The, the first is um, procrastination is big for teenagers because their self-esteem and their, is low, their anxiety is high. Um, and procrastination comes from you require a level of confidence and you got to believe that you've take what it, got to have what it takes to start. So use the five minute rule. So the five-minute rule is is what's used to get an action done because the hardest part about procrastination is starting. So this is about getting them into starting, but not so much that it trips the procrastination wire that says, you suck at this. You can't do this. You're dumb. You don't know how to do this. So you trip that. Wire. So get out those subject books, open it to the page of the assignment, open it up on your computer. Maybe write their name at the top of the page and then stop. they are like, this is never going to get done. Okay, well, they can probably do 10 sessions of five minutes and get more done than staring at a page for two hours all in that procrastination tripwire that says you suck, you're stupid, you're never going to get this finished. You get nothing done. So you pick. So the five minute rule helps them stick. And then, and then in between the five minutes, the best thing, this is hard for a teen, but the best thing is body movement and fresh air. Those are the two things that clear, clear the brain the back. Then enc- and encourage them. You don't come back to them and say, oh, great, so you did five minutes. I need you to let that go. You can say, wow, okay, you did five minutes. Awesome. Now let's try another five minutes. Maybe they skim over the homework and they just find the questions that feel doable. And they just just kind of start, take a few notes and try, for, do that for five minutes and then stop. It actually builds confidence, breaks down procrastination, lowers anxiety, lowers stress, and builds resilience to build longer and longer periods of time.
0: I have to tell you that that five-minute rule, I think, could work for anybody uh, because it's five minutes of sustained focus on one subject matter. And when we're pulled in a million different directions, I really like the idea of that but we're running out of time. In fact, we're out of time. So we have, you have 12 of these amazing tips all pulled together. It's one of your most popular uh, tools that you give to parents. Uh, so we're going to put that in the liner notes of the podcast. We'll, we'll, sh- we'll throw it up on the video so that people can find it as well. And you're going to be back next month with more. Allie, you're always so great and you always give such fresh perspective on that relationship with your teen. And I can tell people who are listening today that those scripts that you share work.
2: So (laughs) I want people to find you. Best place is Instagram or TikTok at Allie Payne, A L Y P A I N, or my website, alliepain.com.
0: Incredible. Allie, thank you so much for joining me today. My next guest is near and dear to me, and after you hear her story, I bet she'll be near and dear to you too. Tanya Jessam is the owner of Island Creations on Cape Breton Island, mom of three, my first cousin, and a bladder cancer survivor. Each September, Tanya pours her heart and soul into raising awareness about this type of cancer we don't often hear a lot about. She joins me today to discuss. Welcome to What She Said, Tanya. Hello, this is such a weird moment for me to be interviewing you on my radio show. I just have to get that out of the open right now because you're my first cousin. I love you. I adore you. And so it's so strange to have you on my show for my audience. Uh, tell me then, let's tell them, how old you were when you were first diagnosed with bladder cancer?
7: So I was only 38. It was May 2014. And I was just kind of, you know, going about my day as I normally would. And I was having some issues. and. A lot of those issues are extremely similar to just a regular bladder infection. So I was just kind of having regular bladder infections, more frequent than normal. Um, And I just kind of knew, I just kind of felt, you know, and was listening to my body and just kind of felt that there was something different. And that's when I went into my doctor and I was like, we need to investigate a bit more. And then, so yeah, like May 2014, I was 38 years old. And that's when I was diagnosed with bladder cancer.
0: So, when you say the the symptoms are similar to a regular bladder infection, what were some of the the symptoms that were that kept recurring? Fragrant
7: uh, urination, lower abdominal pain, and uh, blood in the urine. So that is the biggest thing. If you see red, you see your doctor. <laughs>
0: And was there that that stinging? Because I know with like a urinary tract infection, there's that pain that comes with urination. Was that also a factor? Yes. So when you so you get your diagnosis, then what happened? Because I mean,
7: I I know, but
0: tell my audience.
7: It was kind of crazy. At the time, my husband was away working. So my mom and dad were just kind of like, we'll take you. And I was thinking, well, you know, it's just You know, there's just a test. Cancer actually didn't even go through my brain. So we got to the appointment and what they do is a test called a cystoscope. So it's a contraption that they look inside the bladder and they can see, you know, what's going on in there. So I went to that appointment and the doctor had said right away when I went in um, that just by looking at it, they would be able to tell. Um, ninety-nine percent, whether it's a form of cancer or not. Unfortunately, in my case, um, he looked and he said it definitely cancer. Uh, and I just kept thinking about my poor parents in the waiting room. I was, like, I was more nervous to be telling them. Uh, so yeah, so it was kind of like a whirlwind. Um, hearing that information, but then I kind of processed it a little bit and decided to just you know hit it head on and kind of stay the positive person that I am. And then from there, it just went into surgeries and chemo treatments. How Uh, many chemo treatments have you had? 46. So, um, and there's actually, at the time, there was a shortage of the type of chemo uh, that is provided for bladder cancer. Um, because bladder cancer sits at a very high recurrence rate. Like every time I was going, they they monitor me very very closely. So I go every three months for a cystoscope, and sometimes there I would go and there'd be fifteen new little tumors each time. Then I'd have to start treatment again and again and again. Um, and in total, I think it was about eight surgeries. You're incredible. I don't tell my guests so. this often, but I love you. Okay, tell me. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: This is the fifth most common cancer. I don't think a lot of people know that. I certainly did not know that. So, September is bladder cancer awareness month. How is are it? how are we a, able to
7: um, help? Are there are there actions we can take to help raise money? Yeah, well, yeah, of course you can go to the website which is uh bladdercancercanada.org and there is a wealth of information on that site um uh, pertaining to bladder cancer and Almost every province and uh, in Canada do a bladder cancer uh, a bladder cancer wa- awareness walk in September, so they raise awareness and they raise funds to be able to uh, do some more research to help uh, you know to help with bladder cancer.
0: All right. So if people want to get involved, then they can sign up for that walk. They can sponsor somebody. They can donate to bladdercancerawareness.org. And if they want to follow along with you and keep up with
7: your story, where can they do that? Um, You can find me uh, at 32nd, 32nd courage um, on Instagram. All right. Incredible. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me.
1: No, I have still got a lot of value left in me.
4: More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
1: My voice is a fire. My voice has wings. My voice is a crier, a climber, a beautiful thing.
0: With a boundless soaring voice and musical vision to match, Toronto-based songwriter Melissa Lauren is that rarest of performers, one as comfortable in jazz as in pop, as well as the space where the two genres converge. Her dazzling third album, My Voice, produced by ace multi-instrumentalist Tyler Emond, finds Lauren exploring the ways in which we communicate with each other, or don't, via 11 songs perfectly reflecting the times. Melissa joins me now to share a little bit about the inspiration behind the album, and then we're going to play My Voice, the song, for you in its entirety. Welcome to What She Said, Melissa. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell me about the theme, the underlying theme of the album, My Voice.
8: Absolutely. Uh, Well, the theme was born, like many things, during the pandemic. Um, I was finding myself, you know, at home with my husband and our, our daughter and finding that our communication was was just horrible <laughs> and i was finding myself misheard and having trouble communicating ironically in in closer than we'd ever been physically and so i kind of started to think outwards and and kind of think about all the different ways in which the voice can be misheard uh, underheard Uh, how we can illuminate the voice, its it's barriers, its triumphs, uh, you know, speaking for people that need to be spoken for, illuminating children's voices, all the different themes surrounding um, the voice and its infinite capability and some of its barriers.
0: It sounds like you address a lot of mental health issues through this. Um, Was that intentional no, <laughs>
8: funnily enough, it wasn't, but it, I think it was somehow subconsciously, uh, seeped in. I, I work in mental health and addictions. Um, I work as a, a music facilitator and also an addictions counselor. Um, and over, you know, the, the last couple of years, especially, uh, mental health is, issues are on the rise. Uh, so a lot of it, I think, ended up in retrospect, I realized, wow, maybe this is a bit of channeling. Um, and and just the whole process of making music is, is therapeutic and important. And it's important to give people voices that don't necessarily, haven't even necessarily had a chance to artistically express themselves. So there was a piece of that for sure. And then that's kind of filtered into my work. So I, I suppose they feed each other to a certain degree.
0: Well, we're going to play the song, My Voice, in its entirety. So can you just tell me specifically what this song focuses in on? This song is actually encompasses
8: the whole album. It's meant to be illuminating. It's meant to be fun. There's gospel elements. There's going to be a live choir with us at the CD release on September 10th. It's joyous.
0: It's We're fierce. We can do this kind of song. <laughs> but playful as well. Okay. Well, before we play that song, where can people keep up with you? Uh, find your music. Go to the show. Uh, Share it all, please. Yeah, yeah uh, you can find everything's
8: linked to my website, melissalaurenmusic.ca, melissalaurenmusic.ca, Um, And then you can find me on Instagram uh, at melissalauren3 <laughs> uh, and Spotify, same thing, Lauren. Um And again, everything's linked in my website. You can get tickets to the event, pre-order the CD, buy the recent um, singles,
0: melissalaurenmusic.ca. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Amazing. Melissa, thank you so much for joining t- me today. Uh, we're going to listen to my voice right now from Melissa Lauren. Thank you so much.
1: My voice is a fire. My voice has wings. My voice is a cry. a climber, a beautiful thing. We'll do some skyscraping past in why. Then down to the other gates for a toss-up and a fight. Can you feel it moving past the guys and ruins? It can change the seven wonders so they match your side Moves they keep you crying Can move mountains, it can rock and roll. My voice can take us where we've never been before. As soft as a petal, when nature stirs, as fierce as a lion, can we always read my purse?
0: it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region.
4: Previous episodes of What She Said on 105.9 theregioncom
5: I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer.